0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. I enjoyed our music today, and it's appropriate this morning, when I start my uh, topic or tell you what I'm going to talk about this morning, some of you guys are going to think, man, I wish I had stayed home today. Uh, Some of you ladies will probably say, this is just what you need. Uh, But I'm going to talk about love because of Valentine's Day. Now, I realize that was Wednesday, but our party's tonight, so uh, it's going to all fit together. I'm, uh, I, I don't normally just preach themes because it's a certain time of year. I uh, just If the holiday's here, I don't feel compelled to preach that. But uh, today, uh, given that it's right here close to Valentine's, we had a, a good study Wednesday night. I thought about Uh, what Valentine's is and what it means. What I'm going to do right now is uh, everybody needs a pen or a pencil, uh, most everybody, and I'm going to have our ushers come. Now, I realize that there's some folks here that uh, are probably uh, single, some by choice, some by circumstance. So you can or or can't take this. It's, It's strictly up to you. If you are a couple... Uh, you certainly want to take one Whether your spouse is here or not uh, If you're uh, uh, Dating You certainly want to take one And don't fill it out yet Okay So, uh, But I want to tell you again Guys if you would just kind of make sure that uh, Pretty much anybody that wants one of these gets them, and you can go on one side And you can go on that side And y'all just kind of pass those out to folks if you've been uh, I don't know who all here uh, I did your wedding or not, but if you were uh, if you were with me and I did some of your counseling, you probably got one of these. Uh, you may or may not have, but uh, how long's it been? Don't answer this since you wrote your spouse a love letter. Now, I know you guys are going oh man, I surely should have stayed home then. Don't roll your eyes and don't leave because I'm not going to make you write a love letter, but that's what I'm giving you and you're simply going to have to fill it out. Now, if you're not married but you're dating or if you're going to be dating, keep this because all this is is biblical advice on love. So if you think at some point in your life you may be in love, this is something great to have. And what you're getting is it simply, as I said, some, something that I use a lot of times when I, uh, counsel with, with folks that are getting married. And here's the thing about it. If you're married here today, uh, at some time in your life, hopefully it's still there, there was this fire burning and, uh, you would have, you would have never thought anything about writing a little love note to your, uh, to your spouse and, uh, uh, whatever, or if you're dating, you wouldn't think nothing about it. And I see that in folks that come and we sit down at the, uh, at the desk and I see that in their eyes and their smile and them interacting with one another. And, and sometimes after we've been married a long time, uh, or maybe sometimes after we've been married a short time, we kind of miss, uh, or forget what it means to really be in love with someone. And that's what I want us to talk about. If your spouse is not here, uh, the reason I want you to go ahead and fill this out is how many of you looked in a mirror today? By, by hand, you've looked in a mirror today at some point. Has, has anyone not looked in a mirror today? Other than if you were just a, I mean, a child may not have, but anybody not look at yourself today? I realize my hair is slatin up. But I got a flat top, you know, and I'm at that stage where it won't lay down and it won't stand up. So uh, you can say, well, Jake must not have. But I wetted it, I licked it, and it's still sticking straight up. So uh, I realize that. This morning, as you look at this piece of paper that you have, I don't want you to look at your spouse in this piece of paper. I want you to look in the mirror because did you get them handed out. But did everybody get one? All right, thank you, I appreciate it. You can keep them and draw on them if you want to. The reason I want you to do this is because I don't want you to look at this and say, well, my spouse isn't patient with me. Because I want you to look in the mirror. So what you're doing this morning, even if your spouse isn't here, this is a biblical advice on how we're to love our spouses. Whether they love you this way in return... That doesn't affect you, it shouldn't. So the reason I don't want you to fill it out yet is because as we we're going to cover each one of these, believe it or not, in 30 minutes, we're going to cover each one of these descriptions of love. Now the part that you can fill out is the top line. This is your love letter that you're going to give Valentine's Day. Guys, if you're smart, you will fill this out. Don't just not do it, because then there will be silence around your house for a few days, and you'll be going, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I mean, that's what you'll get. So this is, I put Jake's pledge of love to Marilyn. I mean, Denise. (laughs) No, uh, no, be sure and put your wife's name or your girlfriend's name there, or whoever, your uh, spouse, whatever, Go ahead and put, this is, whatever your name is, pledge of love to whoever your spouse or whoever you're dating. And uh, if, you're, uh, if you're single today and you don't see marriage in your future, this is still good advice because we're to love one another with this same kind of love. So it's still relevant to all of us. And, of course, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, again, I'm going to remind you several times to to look in the mirror as you feel, as you fill this out. If there's something you just can't put your name in, then leave it blank and just put in there. I've, I'm going to work on this because there's some areas there that that you may have to say, well, I, I just need to work on these. And the reason I don't want you to go ahead and and fill it out like the first line there, uh, I put my love for Denise is patient. <clears throat> no comments from anybody in the crowd. You can put your name there or my love for you, however you would like to do that. But I put my and Denise in all of those. I filled every one of them out. I'm just, I'm there. You know, I've reached that pinnacle. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, So anyway, we're going to talk about this this morning. What I want us to start out doing is... Uh, Probably, uh, the, the finest description of love that exists is found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We, we often refer to it as the love book or the love chapter of the Bible. And, and, uh, what this is in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it's, it's, uh, something that's describing not romantic love. It's not a romantic love it's talking about. The New Testament's written in this Greek language. It has four different words that describe love. And those four different words, we're not going to spend much time there. They're agape, phileo, eros, and stergo. And, and the ways these breaks down is that phileo love, it's, it, it it emphasizes affection and emotions. That's kind of that type of love. It only occurs 54 times in the Bible that that affectionate type love, that fondness that people have between one another, you'll be most familiar with that kind of love when Jesus talked to Peter said, "Peter, do you love me?" And he used three of those different terms. He used that that phileo and that agape love, and and that emotional type love. the 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 second the second word that that is described there, the first was phileo. The second is uh, uh, stergo. I don't remember what what order I use those in, which that's primarily a love between uh, parents and children. That type of love is described there. Uh, that, that eros, that kind of love is, is a love between a husband and a wife. Uh, that's a relationship between a husband and a wife. Uh, it includes, uh, embracing and, and, uh, longing to be with one another and caring for one another. That's kind of how that love is described. And of course, the, the type of love we're probably most familiar with or you hear the most is agape love. And, and that's the kind of love that's described here in Corinthians. That's the kind of love that, that uh, it, that God has for us, it's an unconditional type love. And that's the love that's described here. That word is used 259 times in the New Testament. So when we look at this, and Paul, through the direction of the Holy Spirit, is, is describing what love is, that's what we're, we're looking at. We're looking at an unconditional type love. So this morning, as we relate this to Valentine's and we write, relate this to our spouses, we, we can understand that that the love that, that God desires us to have for one another is the type of love He has for us. While all of these descriptions of love fit in our family life, this one love, this agape love, is, is really what we're talking about today. So I'm going to jump right in this, and the first thing... Uh, that what we find here, and I, I, I imagine most of you have read this passage of Scripture or heard it read, it's really easy for us to go to verse 4 there and just say, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude. And we really don't break down to what it's saying. So what I want us to first do is, is look at what love is. That's, that's described what love is. The first two things that we see here, the descriptions, are action words, and he's describing what love really is. So he's not talking about some kind of warm affection or some kind of feeling. He, he just lays it out and says, here's what love is. Love is patient. Now this morning, if you have your uh, piece of paper, and I hope you do, I want you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, is my love for your spouse, whoever that is, is it a patient love? And and what I want you to do is write your names in there if it is. If you say my love for, uh, like myself, my love for Denise's patient, go ahead and, and fill that out. And uh, maybe you your spouse would say, well, I don't think it's there. Remember, you're looking in the mirror right now. You're not looking at your spouse, you're not thinking about how your spouse loves you, simply looking at yourself. This this first ideal is this patience. And here's the here's the interesting thing. The Greek word that's describing patience, if I said what is patience, this word describing is patience with other people, not with our circumstances. Now let me explain that. We went on a trip and uh Friday, Thursday, I left uh I left Sulphur Springs and I was headed towards Dallas and I don't know if y'all knew, there was a wreck on I-30. I slipped out of work 30 minutes early. My boss was there. And I actually told him, I said, look, I'm going to South Texas. I need to leave a little early. I sat for nearly three hours on I-30 between Greenville and I-50. I mean, 50 that goes to Commerce. For three hours I sat. Well, I was patient Because I kept looking at that ditch thinking, I may can make that ditch. Now, I was pulling a 32-foot flatbed trailer, so I didn't want to be that guy that got halfway through and got stuck, you know. And everybody looks at him and goes, ha-ha, look at that guy. So that's patient in circumstances. That's not what... What Paul is talking about here, he's not talking... You may say, well, I'm very patient. You know, I can go to Walmart and get behind the person that has 400 coupons, and I'm patient with that, you know. This this patient that he's describing is patience between people. And I want you to look at yourself, and and I want you to really examine yourself and say, you know, I, I love my spouse, and and I want to have a patient... Kind of love. And that patient kind of love really means when we're inconvenienced, we endure it. When our spouse inconveniences us, if we really have that godly love then we endure that, we, we move through that. So hopefully you would say, I desire to have that kind of love today. I desire to have that patient love that, that Paul describes. One story about that, I think I've told you this illustration before, Abraham Lincoln, he had a a man, one of his greatest enemies as a politician, his name was Edwin M. Stanton, and uh, during his time as president, this running for president, he called uh, Lincoln uh, a low cunning Clown, he said he was the original gorilla. He said it was ridiculous for people to go to Africa to see gorilla when they can go to Springfield, Illinois, and see one right there. He he was always being critical of Abraham Lincoln. When Abraham Lincoln was elected for president, he appointed Stanton as his chief advisor uh, for Secretary of War. And people came to him and said, "Why in the world would you appoint?" that man as Secretary of War in your cabinet. And he said, well, it's easy. He's the best man for the job. So through those years and, and years he served there under President Lincoln, and, and when Lincoln was assassinated, it was said that Stanton whooped into the coffin and said through his tear, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Because you see through patience with people, Stanton become to, became to realize that that there was love in that patience. He he, Lincoln didn't say I love you. He simply showed him patience, and through patience, it was understood that, that there was love there. And folks, for us in our relationships, through patience, we begin to show that we have love. Now, your Bible may say long-suffering or suffers long or something. It's all patience. That's the same, that's the same word there. So, so we think about what love is. That's the first thing, love is patient. Here's the second thing, love is kind. Now, this morning, if you would put in there, Uh, My love for whoever there is kind. And this is is kind of the description of, of kindness. It's an active goodness on behalf of others. It's something we actively do. Love acts in a way that's useful and gracious to others. And this morning, if you'd say, that's the kind of love I want, that's the kind of love I have, that I want to be active, that I want to be gracious to you, and we apply that to marriage, we have an understanding that sometimes we're stressed out, aren't we? I mean, when we're, when we're married or whether we're married or not, sometimes we just get frustrated, and, and sometimes we might be, uh, tend to give harsh criticism. I mean, we're, we're, we're critical, and it is harsh, and it comes quick, and, and maybe your spouse does something foolish or something hurtful, and, and uh, we, just, we just lash out all of a sudden. Well, Paul says here, love is the opposite of that. It says love is kind. It, it's patient. It's something that, that, that we would have that, that says, I'm going to replay that with kindness. You know what? I have not got a single amen this morning. Why is that? Are you thinking you're not going to get one from me? I'd have stayed home if I'd known this is what you was going to talk about. Remember, look in the mirror... And as you look in the mirror, look in the age of time and remember when you walked an aisle with that person you love and remember when you were dating and, and remember when you were writing those love letters and remember when you were staring off into space and, and think about that kind of love you had. And if, if that love's not in your home right now, where's it gone? It's, it's because we've moved to a point that we've lost that, that patience and we've lost that kindness that we once had. That's why we're talking about this this morning. Here's the second thing. First, that's what love is. Then there's a pretty good list of what love is not. We find this uh, verses chapter thirteen. This is that was verse four. We just talked about the first part. The second part of verse four, all the way down through verse six. Listen to what it says. It says, "Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, and it's not puffed up." Love does not behave rudely, nor does it seek its own, and it's not provoked. It thinks no evil and does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. So here's the list we have here, and here's the first thing. Love is not envious. Our love does not envy. Envy is when uh, someone wishes they had something another person has. You know, I wish uh, it could be possessions, it could be a talent, it could be a job, it could be a house, family, appearance... Even a spiritual experience. It could be any of those things. And, and we tend to think as, of envy as something small. It's just something that's kind of inconsequential. But if you think about this, envy is what murdered Abel. And, and over in Genesis chapter three, 4, verses 3 through 8, we see that's really what led to, to Abel's murder was, was, was somebody being envious. If you go over to Genesis 37, verse 11, envy is what enslaved Joseph for all of those years. That, that, that envy, those, those things that we look at someone, and you may say this morning, how does this, how does this reveal itself in marriage? What does this have to do with marriage? Why would I wish I had something my spouse had, or how could I even do that? And And envy, at worst, it reveals itself when we start diminishing the accomplishments of someone else. Did you hear that? When we start downplaying someone else's accomplishments, that's how envy reveals itself, especially in relationship. It's, it's when, when the person struggles and, and, and we actually say, well, it's, that's just your fault or, or that's just the way it is. And, and, or maybe you rejoice when that person struggles and say, well, you, you had that coming. That all falls under that, that ideal of envy. And, and we think about that, like, like most of folks, they're guilty when, when envy is, when we find ourselves unable to celebrate with those who have something that good happen. Something good happens and, and we just don't, we, we can't, we don't celebrate that thing. We, we, that, that's rearing that, 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 that ideal of envy. You may not say, well, I already, I already got that reward. Instead of celebrating with that person, you just, you just downplay it. That's, that, that's envy. Or we begin to diminish the accomplishments of someone else. I've already mentioned that. Or, or all our talk is negative are, are, it's a qualified positive. Y'all know what a qualified positive is? It would be something like, uh, well, he's certainly a nice person, but boy, he's got an ugly hairpiece. You know, well, that's, that's, that's kind of a, a qualified positive. In other words, well, you did a good job, but you should've because you were trained in that. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's how we find envy in a relationship we 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 like to hear about failures of someone else that's what envy falls under or we we're upset uh because someone even a, a church family member seems to be getting more time or more attention and and when we realize somebody's getting more attention than us uh we become envy of that envious of that person so that's how it rears itself in marriage sometimes we we try to make ourselves in marriage better than we really are to to make our spouse think something about us even more And and we criticize them in order to lift ourselves up. And and that's how envy takes place in a marriage. So I want to suggest an an alternative uh, that's much more worthwhile and much more enjoyable. Be proud of one another, be proud of one another's accomplishments. And realize this we're looking in a mirror today, right? You're not perfect. I thought I'd get a lady amen out of my wife at least. Roy, you got one. (laughs) We're not perfect. But how do we respond to our spouses sometimes? We respond like, I'm perfect. And you're always messing up. And you know what? That falls under envy. And I would say, if we want to be worthwhile, if we want to have an enjoyable life, if we want to make it worthwhile... Be proud of one another and expect good things from one another and and learn to minimize each other 's weaknesses. We know ladies us guys, most of us here we know where our weak spots are we don 't need you to point them out and 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 ladies i'm sure you feel the same way husbands we don't need to be pointing out those weak spots we need to we need to lift one another up we need to magnify each other's strength and don't 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 focus on those negative things all of those fall under envy now don't worry all of my points are not that long here's the next thing love is not proud love does not parade itself it's not puffed up you know what real love does hopefully you're following through here on your sheet uh, we're down to uh, to the one that love is not proud and they, it may it may not say the same thing but it doesn't sing its own praises that's where we're at right now. Uh, love is not proud. Real love doesn't brag about sacrifices. My daughter thinks this is funny. I, I love the movie 17 again. Does anybody know that movie 17 again? It's got Zach Saffron. Huh? Ephron, close. He's some kind of... Huh? <laughs> Saffron's a spice. Well, y'all think he's spicy. He's, he's some good-looking guy that's, uh, that I guess girls think's good-looking anyway, but I don't think he's good-looking. That's not why I watch it. His girlfriend's good-looking. No, I'm just kidding. I don't watch it for that either. What, what the whole story's about is this. It's about a guy that gets married. He, he, he lives about half his life miserable, and he constantly tells his wife, because of you... I, I didn't get to go play basketball in college and and because of of our relationship I missed out on this part of my life and and through the movie he gets to go back to high school and you'd have to watch it. It's it's a really good movie but but that that ideal of, of love is proud. It, it love is not proud. It, it doesn't brag about sacrifices. Of I've, I've give up a lot. I do a lot for you. I give up a lot for you. Everything I do is for you. I do this for you, and I do that for you. You know what you're doing there? You're puffing yourself up. You're, you're living a life of pride, of saying, hey, I'm proud, and look at me. And Paul says, that's not real love. And if we want to Tear down love. If we want to destroy marriage, then we, we puff ourselves up. Here's the next thing. Love is not rude. And, and it doesn't behave rudely. Uh, that's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, just think about what, what it is to be rude. Paul's advice here is, is avoid arrogance and rudeness. You want know a relationship, a husband and wife? Love always to treat one another with respect and with compassion. When we fail to do that... It's because we're rude. You know what what happens in relationships, and I think you all agree with this, we, we end up acting rude because of our mood, don't we? I mean, we get in a bad mood, we bring it home, We get in a bad mood. We may be in a bad mood. That movie I was talking about, that guy was in a bad mood for 20 years. You know, we, we just get in a bad mood and, and not friendly one day. And then next day we're a little more distant. And, and Paul knows that sometimes we, we, we treat those we love with less courtesy than we, than we do a stranger. I mean, we'll, we'll be so nice to someone that, that's basically a stranger and then we'll treat each other rudely. And and we need to understand that's that's not what love is. Sometimes we we put on this fake out facade out in front of people, and and when we get behind closed doors, we're rude. When we get behind closed doors, we say things to our spouse that we would crawl under the pew if anybody in the church knew we acted that way. That's what Paul is saying. That's that's a that's that's behaving rudely. And for us to have that relationship that God wants us to have, He says, "Love is not rude." Here's the next thing: Love is not selfish. In other words, it does not seek its own. It don't it don't seek its own way. It, it doesn't consider itself first. Now that's pretty tough, isn't it? All of these are pretty tough, aren't they? But you know what? Through the Holy Spirit of God, we have them. And I want you to go back and think about again. When you were dating, when you were setting up this relationship, I bet you fit nearly all of these things. I bet you, I bet you weren't just rude. I mean, if you were rude, what would happen? You'd have to go find somebody else, you know. So, so we, we already were doing those things at one time, and, and, and it's not self seeking. It's not me and mine, and it's all about me and what I want, and I'm always right. I am right most of the time, ain't I? <laughs> but, amen. There you go, brother. I appreciate that. You know, but, but love doesn't insist on having its own way. And and if we really if we really desire that godly love that me and my and I needs to be placed with with us and ours because you're in a relationship and and there's two of you in that relationship and and it's it's y'all if that's a good word relationship it's it's the two of you together so it's it's not selfish it's not self seeking love is not easily irritated. That's a tough one, isn't it? Your your scripture may say love is not provoked, and it's worth considering that, that this sin that's what kept Moses out of the Promised Land. You know, he got aggravated, and he, uh, he, he that that he was easily irritated. And when we think about this, the Greek word "not provoked" it it means it means easily angered. It means to arouse anger, and and we need to understand anger is not always bad. I'm not saying we can live our life and and not be angry with one another, and not have times that we're angry with one another. But but the, the the passage of scripture says this: when you're angry, do not sin. I mean, in, even in your anger, anger's not always bad. It, our text says that, that we have a, a love each other and we, there's going to be times that we have to work things out. The Bible says don't go to bed while you're still mad at one another. Work them out before you go to bed. Then you can make up. You know, you can go on to that process and, and, and don't, be, don't be sinning in your anger. So, there's gonna be times of irritation, there's gonna be times of, of discussions, but, but settle that out, and don't let it fester up, and, and anger is, is sinful when it causes us to feel ill will toward another person. That's when anger becomes sinful, or, or anger becomes sinful when it's, when it's without cause. I mean just for no reason you ever been just mad just really for no reason and and you just you just angry and and there's no real that's that's when anger is bad or maybe it's it's simple when it's when it's this this disproportionate you know you just you just blow up over something you ever do that the littlest thing i mean it's just a it's just a little thing and all of a sudden you you just fly off the handle about it that's that's when love, that's when anger is a bad thing. And and I think we need to learn to be able to control that. I think some of that comes with age. Maybe you learn a little bit more about, but there's things that just that we don't need to blow up about, that we don't need to explode about. The second kind of part of that is is instead of reacting and, and blowing up, we sometimes we just turn it inside. Does anybody do that? And the problem with that is when we turn it inside. It just starts to stew, and it starts to stew, and and you just hold it in, and you just hold it in, and you just hold it in. Maybe for twenty years, you're just holding in, and and that's the problem with that. That, that that's the problem with, with with when we're angry, we need to we need to get things out, and we need to discuss them. Can we do it without screaming and hollering and throwing and cussing? Well, yeah, of course you can. I always say if you, if you cuss, it's because you got a weak mind and a small vocabulary. If you can't figure out how to say something without stringing a bunch of cuss words, well, figure something out. Get, word, get, uh, get to Word Reader's Digest and go in there to Word and start learning some new words, and you can work through those things. So that's when anger becomes sinful, when it does those things. All right, are you still with me? All right, I got four minutes to get through quite a few things here. Y'all don't want to do this next week, do you? Nobody? Okay, let's move quickly here. Keep up with me in your paper. We're going to move on. Love does not hold a grudge. What does that mean? Well, let's go right back. When we stew, when we hold it in, what happens? It turns into bitterness. It turns into holding a grudge. It comes to storing up things within us. And, and I told y'all one time the, 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 couple went to, uh, to, to a marriage council and the husband said every time we get in an argument, an argument, an argument, Y'all may not know why I'm saying that, but that's when two people are fussing with each other. I call it an argument. When when they get in an argument, why why my wife always gets historical? And he said, well, excuse me, you mean hysterical. And he said, no, I mean historical. She brings up things from years ago every time we get in an argument. That's the problem when we hold a grudge. You know, when we forgive someone, we can't forget it. Our minds won't forget it, but we don't have to dig it up every time we get in an argument. Just let it go. And that's what Paul says. True love doesn't hold a grudge. It doesn't keep digging up those old things that's already been hashed through. Let it go and move on. And next, love does not rejoice in evil. It doesn't rejoice in sin. It doesn't rejoice in the sin of others. Here's the third thing. This is what love does. Here's what love does. Listen, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. Real quick, love bears all things. That's number one. That word means to cover or protect. That's what it really means. If we really have that godly love that He desires we have, that love should protect and it should cover things. It should cover things. Listen to this, 1 Peter 4.8, And above all things, have a fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. If we truly have that love, we'll have that love that covers all things. Here, love believes all things. Love always places the, the best interpretation. Boy, I could go into this. Uh, you know, if we really have love, don't always take the negative road give give the benefit of the doubt that's what true love does it it believes all things number next you see we're moving quickly love hopes all things there was a story about a, a a painter Henri Matisse and he he was crippled with arthritis it says his fingertips could barely grip the brush and it was painful every time he would paint and he was in agony when he would paint and, and someone asked him why do you keep painting over and over and he said because the pain goes away as the beauty endures and that's what love is when love hopes all things, then that pain goes away and and beauty ensues after that. Love endures all things. In other words, we sing a song, what, your love never fails, it never gives up. Did we sing that this morning, didn't we? Boy, that was perfect for this point right here because that's what love does. It never gives up. It hangs in there. It holds on. Love never gives up. This morning on your piece of paper, I ask you to put my love for whoever on there. Here's what I want to do think of this last thing, and I'm fixing to close. It's noon right now. Someone suggested this. If you put the word I, every time the word love or it, referring to love, is used, in other words, when you think of love, if you said, I am patient, I'm kind, I do not envy and I do not boast, I'm not proud, I'm not self-seeking, and I'm not easily angered, I keep no record of wrongs, I do not delight in evil, but I rejoice with the truth, I'll always protect, I'll always trust, I'll always hope, and always persevere in my relationship With others. You know, I said a while ago, let's look at a mirror. Don't look at and say, well, my wife, she's envious, and I may boast a little, but she's proud. Just look in the mirror and ask yourself, is that my love I have for that relationship with others? This is how Paul closes Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they'll fail. Where there's tongues, they'll cease. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. And now abide in faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these, are love. Verse 13, abide faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest of these, is love. You know, the greatest reason, and the reason Paul says this, is because love continues to grow Love will always endure in eternal state. Think about this. When we go to heaven, what happens? Well, we become face to face with Christ the Savior. So faith is gone, isn't it? I mean, he lists these things. Our hope is fulfilled once we see Jesus, once He comes. That's fulfilled. So faith is being fulfilled. Hope will be fulfilled. But you know what? Love will remain. And not only will it remain it will continue to grow and continue to grow. This morning, if you're brave enough, you know what, when you're like me, it's kind of hard to preach this because Denise would would amen this. There's a lot of places I can't put my name in here, but I did anyway uh, because there's a lot of areas I still need to be working on. There's a little song that the children used to say that God's still working on me to make me what He wants to be. He hung the moon and the stars, and I don't remember the rest of it. But God's still working on us. It doesn't mean we've arrived there. But when we, through the Holy Spirit, identifies areas of our life that we realize, you know what, I'm not loving others with the love that God desires for me. That's the Holy Spirit saying, all right, work on this. Why don't you work on this area? And I want to ask you, we're fixing to have a word of prayer Would you give this to your spouse today as maybe the first love letter you've written him or her in 30 years or in two weeks? I don't know, whatever it may be. And just say, you know what, this is my pledge of love to you. That's what it says right across the top. This is your pledge of love. If your spouse isn't here, you know, that's a great gift. Go home and say, you know what, this is my pledge of love for you. They're going to read it. They may not understand it as you understand it, but remember, you're looking in a mirror. You're not looking at them, and this is your love for that person. Father, I pray this morning, as we consider our love, I thank you that we have a, a time of year, even though the world's turned it into just to a money-making event, that that we can just step aside and think about the love that we have for one another as a family a love that's unconditional with a spouse. And even in our church, Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ, you desire that we have this same type of love with one another. Lord, I pray today that as we really consider your Spirit in our lives, we remember that love that we have and uh, that love that maybe it once had and maybe it needs a little rekindling, Lord. I, I pray that we would understand that here's the recipe Here's the match that rekindles the fire. Here's the, here's the spark that puts the gleam back in the eyes of the one we love. Lord, I pray that we'd look today and not wait on the response of our mate, but, Father, we would begin the process of loving others as you loved us. Father, I pray that your Spirit would help us in the areas where we're weak. I pray again we wouldn't merely hear your Word today and so deceive ourselves but we would put into practice, and we'd be doers of your word today. Father, again, I thank you for your love. I thank you for this day, and we offer this prayer up now in the name of Jesus.